0: Welcome to Engage Arizona. Is civility extinct? Lack of decorum is tolerated in conversation on social media at the Capitol and the State House. It's reflective of divisive times in America, but it's not sustainable. Arizona House majority leader Ben Toma takes on this topic and key legislation he hopes to revisit in the 2022 session. Here now is Chris St. John with majority leader Ben Toma. Welcome to Engage Arizona. My guest today is Representative Ben Toma from Legislative District 22, way up in the Northwest Valley. He's the current majority leader in the House of Representatives and a former member of the Peoria City Council. Mr. Toma is a successful business owner of a family business, a husband, a father of five girls, five girls, and a worship leader in his church. Representative Toma, welcome to the Engage Arizona podcast. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. I've had the opportunity to hear a bit of your story a few months back. Uh, I've had an opportunity to interview you at our dinner uh, for Center for Arizona policy several months back as well. We've had some good conversations and frankly, I've just really enjoyed getting to know you and your heart uh, but honestly your story of coming to the United States of America is extremely compelling and so I thought I might ask you if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit of that story with our audience today.
1: Sure happy to um, you know I when I was, uh, I was born in Romania, in city of Cluj, which probably you haven't heard of, but okay. um, the it is the capital of Transylvania, and I'm sure you've heard of Transylvania. Uh-huh. I didn't know it was spooky until I came here, <laughs> but anyway, um, I was, uh, when I was seven years old, um, my parents, uh, for a number of reasons, so we started seeing random people showing up at the house fairly late at night, and... Um, I knew enough to know that was bad news. Uh, it was the the securitate, the secret police, that would show up to okay. talk to Dad, and there, he had done some things that that um, raised suspicion or, or, you know, got him noticed by them. And um, we knew that wasn't good because in, in communism, you know how it is—you you do anything the state doesn't like, and fairly certain you you you, you disappear and no one ever hears from you again. Mm. So um, anyway, when I was seven, my parents decided to go on vacation. And uh, I did the air quotes when I said that. <laughs> and uh, they they left. They were allowed to visit a cousin of his uh, of my dad's in uh, Jordan. Out of mm. all places, he they went to Jordan, and um, they were not allowed to take us, the kids. But uh, shortly after arriving in Jordan, they crossed through Syria into Turkey and applied for asylum in, wow. in the United States. They spent about uh, eight months in. Istanbul in a refugee camp waiting for approval to come to the US during which time my youngest sister was born and um, then got some sort of preliminary approval and then they were moved out to Rome uh, just outside of Rome for another few months and then finally came to the US hmm. so shortly after that in another God thing as we call it um, just just a couple months after they got here maybe three months after they got here, uh, we were put on a plane by the communists and sent to JFK, essentially. Wow. The U.S. government had no idea we were coming. Luckily, TWA believed my mom and uh, sent someone to to meet us at the plane. We were the last uh, people off the plane. Just keep in mind, I had just turned nine. I had a sister that was seven, a brother that was five, and a brother that was about to turn four. And so, th- th- you know, four little kids mm-hmm. uh, on a plane. Nobody spoke English. Um just got off in JFK, and if it wasn't for TWA employee, uh, who knows what would have happened in in JFK. But in any case, uh, the the funny gentleman uh, waited for us. He was very friendly. Uh, He was also, uh, and I don't want this to come across the wrong way, but he was also black. Mm -hmm. And you have to keep in mind, communist Romania wasn't exactly inclusive or diverse (laughs) in any stretch. And so, as children, we were kind of staring at him like what happened to you type of thing you know and sure. it, but he was very friendly he had a big smile and uh, of course i didn't understand a word he said mm-hmm. it didn't matter he was we, we could tell we were in safe hands in that sense mm-hmm. and he he got us connected with uh, with the twa flight that um, uh, got us connected into portland well that was a 747 and it went from okay this is pre-911 sure. it went from jfk to seattle first and then from seattle to portland a little short hop my parents were in portland at the time waiting for us well the plane went and it was almost empty The big old 747 of course the kids were all you know a little bit jet lagged and and uh, had a lot of energy after the first uh, first (laughs) fight across the pond and so we're running around the plane pretty much irritating everybody of course we didn't understand english so it was you know a bunch of little kids but uh, another god thing there just happened to be a romanian sitting on that flight that was going to seattle and he was talking to us, and of course he told us off a little bit, and we, we calmed things down a bit. But he stopped us from getting off the plane in Seattle. Remember, pre nine eleven, it was pretty easy to get on and off a plane. Sure. It, it was, um, we almost got off. We, everybody's, you know, plane stopped, everybody's getting off, what are you going to do? Get off, right? Uh, he actually stopped us from getting off the plane, otherwise we would have gotten off the plane in Seattle. Again, who knows what would have happened. Absolutely. That so, part of the
0: story to me is
1: just absolutely a God thing, like you said. Sure. I I I don't know what the chances are uh, of that happening, but mm-hmm. they've got to be pretty mathematically um, difficult to Incalcable. to figure out. Yeah. Yep. So, anyway, we ended up in in Portland and reunited with our parents and um obviously it was a good thing. And since then, you know, especially given given the history, given given uh the, the direct experience that I have with government overreach, uh government um well, let's, let's call it what it is, mandates now, mm-hmm. right? Um, anything overbearing government that knows better than you do, uh, I'm going to be naturally very suspect and um, and very resistant mm-hmm. to, to anything like that. Um, you know, I've, I've gotten a chance actually just to, uh, a week and a half ago, I got back from Romania, ended up going oh, wow. for a week for, for some other things, and uh, it's changed a lot, um, but they're still dealing with the damage essentially an entire generation of people that have been damaged by that system. And they're still trying to figure out how to clean out the corruption that was so systematic right. and so deep. Uh, and they're working on it, but it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, it's hard to change, a, change the direction on a big ship, right? And governments mm-hmm. are var- obviously by nature a very big ship. Uh, big companies, same thing. It, it's just very hard to change direction. And so when you have a, a, a culture of corruption and yeah. of... of um, all kinds of dysfunction it's really hard to fix so Right. Well,
0: one of my follow-up questions, and that the story is is so amazing to me, and and how God brought you here, and obviously, in somewhere in that story, there's a, a call to uh, believe in Christ, and, and and I'd love to hear that sometime too. Uh, but um, you know, you kind of stole the the question from me, or anticipated the question, maybe is just how did uh, your your past inform uh, you know obviously your call to public service, but then subsequently. Even just your, your the value system that informs how you vote now that you're an elected member of the Arizona legislature.
1: Yeah, that's a great question, uh, and there's a lot in there. Uh, it, we could probably talk for hours sure. about the, the the call to public service as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another God thing. I never thought <laughs> I would be in public service, yeah. and and yet God worked it out in such a way that that I ended up here, and uh, and, and of course you know, that hindsight sort of thing, 2020, right, looking looking back, realizing that there's so many things that happened that prepared me. You said introduction, you know, I'm a father to five girls. Yeah. Well, no, necessarily you end up g- dealing with some drama and learning. How One to, would think. Yeah, w- well, <laughs> let me tell you, that's exactly what it is. Um, but, but there's so many things, and you know, all joking aside, that that I think in many ways God was preparing me to be mm. here. Um, and, but going back to the heart of your question, you know, it, who you are as an individual uh, matters, and your character matters a lot mm-hmm. when you're down there. And there are, you know, often overused examples, but generally speaking, there are sort of two types of people that get involved in politics, and and those are people that that want to get things done, and that are that are deliberate in that sense. And then there are people there, there are people down there, uh, and anywhere in politics that are there because they want to be important. Mm. You know, and that the the latter category yeah. is is difficult to work with but we still have to work with them right. um, but but the former is are, are the people that really do end up making the difference and and making That's all good. the hard policy decisions mm-hmm. yeah no no kidding um so you know i, I
0: think as as i want to pivot just a little bit you know this this past session was was quite an eventful one to put it lightly you know it protracted into uh late june as i as i recall is 171 days something like that but who's counting Um, You know, and so you you had one bill in particular that that I followed very, very closely as one who uh, has been a vocational pastor, and we have an initiative at at Center for Arizona Policy that you're familiar with that we call the Arizona Capital Project, where we are partnering uh, with local church pastors, uh, you know, of course the Bible calls them shepherds, uh, and we want to partner with uh, legislators, elected officials across all three branches of Arizona government. Uh, We also believe that they are shepherds too. I mean, there, Romans 13 is very clear that you are put into the position that you are as a minister uh, here uh, to, to serve uh, and, and to enact justice across the state. And so, uh, one of the bills that you had was called the Re- Religion is Essential Act. And I wonder if you might just share with us a little bit about why you found that particular piece of legislation necessary this past session.
1: Well I think you don't have to look very far to see why that's necessary mm-hmm. it, we've been blessed in Arizona and in, in that the governor had not interfered with the the right of uh, churches in particular and church organizations church-based organizations to to do what they're what they're called by God to do but there are other states uh, most notably some of our neighbors like California yeah. that that did exactly that I mean there there was a Supreme Court case that that uh, that was decided that actually ended up uh, going going in our favor as Christians but it's uh, it, it's it's it it was a severe overreach by by government mm-hmm. and um you know of course the, their excuse was public safety or public health but you know often um th- that that's just exactly what i just said it's an excuse mm-hmm. to 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 try to curb curtail uh, the 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 good work that that we're called to do as Christians yeah. and that churches are called to do, in terms of why it's necessary, you're as I've said, we've been blessed that we haven't um, had uh, government interfere directly in in church and church services. However, that's not to say that a new governor potentially wouldn't try to do exactly that. And so the idea of of taking that and codifying it into law right. that uh, would not allow a governor to issue an executive order, for example, in the future that um, that infringes on churches' rights, I think is the right thing to do. And e- before you ask, uh, I remain committed uh, to actually getting that across the finish line. This past session, as as you well know, and perhaps most of your listeners do too, you know, we had very narrow margins in terms right. of um, our versus DEM, not to make it a political thing. But for whatever reason, sometimes these things do become political, and uh, we just had a, a couple of members, one in particular on our side in, 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 in the Senate, that just made it very difficult um, and just wouldn't wouldn't come to terms with what we needed to do. But I remain committed to working with everybody involved. Um, and it ended up being bipartisan, at least in the House side. So I, I still remain hopeful that uh, given, given perhaps less pressure and uh less of a lengthy session you're right by the way it was june 30th so it's the very last day of june that we went to um that that this coming session this will be a priority that we can get done hopefully early
0: and you did point something out there that in the house it was bipartisan there were at least six or seven if i'm not mistaken that that did vote aye on that bill and i I think that's noteworthy um, and and so I appreciated just seeing the, the the bipartisan spirit that that came across in that piece of legislation and. So, as one who wants to see the the body of Christ be able to function, especially during what was an unprecedented time in our in my lifetime, in our lifetimes, uh, I had, I'd never lived through a pandemic before, but the, the body of Christ did need to function in some form or fashion, and the church needed to have the autonomy to do what it does best uh, during a time of crisis, whether that was to uh, keep the doors open or, you know, function online, and, and I mean, do you have any examples of of you know what what in as as you were contemplating the, that piece of legislation you know what, what churches were doing during the pandemic that that might ha- have in, uh, been inhibited if let's say we were in california
1: I, I think there's a lot going on i mean there were lots of discussions around uh, just mental health mm-hmm. and and stress and the ability for people to connect with each other um, so many you know, there's a there's a there's a spike in, in domestic violence and other horrible yeah. things that happened during this time because it, humans are by nature, whether we like it or not, we're social. God designed us to be social, and and so churches are a place where, where people can go and connect with each other. You know, get guidance from pastors right. and from others that care for them. Um, connect with uh, small groups or Bible studies or you know a number of different things. And churches do a lot of a lot of a lot of things in community that often uh, goes unnoticed. You know, but in in this particular case, in our church, for example, I you know, like many others, perhaps for about a month there early on, you know, we decided to go all virtual, nice. and 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 they chose to go that path, and then and then they realized that after prayer and and, and thinking it through, the elders decided, you know, it's time to to go back, mm-hmm. and we went to multiple services to make sure that people had space, you know, so they could, uh, you know, not be right next to the person sure. next to them, uh, and it, God's blessed it, I. I I got to tell you, unlike unlike many other churches, our church has grown significantly mm-hmm. since the pandemic, and and so you're absolutely right. It's also an opportunity, though, and I think this is very very important for for people to get that that spiritual and and mental care that they are not going to get any other way. Yep,
0: that's exactly right, and that's why religion is essential. And I, I loved even just the name of of the bill. Uh, aside from, you know, any house bill number, uh, I wanted to just always call it the religion is a central act, and so I think that really
1: resonated with pastors and churches across Arizona. Well, if I may, I mean, the Center for Arizona Policy was instrumental, of course, in getting that and bringing that uh, and and working with us to get that passed, so um, I, I, I think it's great, the amount of work that they've done, and it's the right thing to do, and we'll continue to push it until it gets done well we're prayerfully
0: looking for uh that bill's uh, reappearance in 2022 and and seeing that signed into law so appreciate your leadership on that um so i want to pivot into one more topic uh before we close out today but you know you can spend five minutes on twitter or five minutes on Facebook, or tune into AZ Ledge and watch live proceedings to just see that there is a distinct uh, disappearance uh, of civility across all mediums all platforms and uh, you know you get in front of your phone or computer and it just it's easy to to blast out uh, your opinion without any civility or grace or kindness so i just wanted to chat with you a bit about uh, civility in our current cultural moment uh, especially in the public square where you spend so much of your time do you think it's possible in this current cultural moment to achieve or to
1: reacquire um, civility it's a tough question, to be perfectly honest. You know, I uh, I truly hope so, and I think it is possible. It, part of the problem, of course, is you, you kind of touched it on. I prefer not to spend five minutes on <laughs> on Twitter or Facebook because or other types of social media because for whatever reason, it, I guess the best analogy I can think of is almost like it's when you're in your car. You know, if you're in your car with your windows up, all of a sudden yeah. somebody does something, you, know, it's, you it's sort of acceptable to honk and make hand motions right. and whatever, right? But but you wouldn't do that in person, face to face with someone else. I think unfortunately, the social media, ironically named perhaps because it's sort of anti-social media, really. If you think it through, it it allows that 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 filter that for whatever reason um, people feel that they can just be nasty to each other. Um, which they wouldn't normally be face-to-face. And to some extent, that's happened on in, in the public sphere as well, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, on the House floor, the Senate, and so on. And two reasons for that, I think. One is, of course, it's becoming more culturally acceptable. But in, in terms of how to combat it or how to, how to make a change, I think my personal opinion is the only way to do that is to actually meet with the other members and to members that disagree with you yeah. face-to-face and develop some sort of relationships. I mean, look, the truth is, I'm never going to share values with somebody on the far left. Mm-hmm. That's the reality of it. But I can still acknowledge that they're human beings, they're people created in God's image that have value, and it's my duty to to respect that, that right. value, even if I fundamentally disagree with virtually everything they stand for. But the point is, if you know someone, and if you connect with them, outside of just screaming at each other on, you know, from one side of the aisle to the next, right? Um, then it becomes a lot harder to to demonize and, and to be that nasty person, right? And to, and yeah. to just spout nasty things about each other proximity
0: makes such a difference i read a I i read a quote uh, from alexis de tocqueville just the other day uh from his seminal work democracy democracy in america and he said if men are to remain civil civilized or to become so the art of associating together
1: must grow and improve and that's the irony of the whole thing right because there's a certain subset right now that says that anybody that meets with the other side, anybody that sits down and talks with them, uh, must be a a traitor of some sort, compromiser. Right. Yeah. And 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 I've said this line. I say it to everybody that's new uh, that comes to the legislature. That's new. It, one of the hardest things to do as an elected official is to figure out how far can you compromise before you're compromised. Yes. But you have to compromise. It's mm-hmm. a deliberative body right. of of sixty. I need to get 30 other people at a minimum to agree with me, and then 16 in the Senate, and then the governor. Otherwise, it doesn't matter how right I am. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter how righteous I am. None of that matters. It, it, the, the ultimate thing fails, whatever it is that our goal is. So it's very important. And, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's hard to stress how important. It, it's hard to overstress, is what I'm trying to say, how important it is to actually connect with other people that's Mm -hmm. not to say that i'm going to compromise or that i'm going to um for example on on right to life issues i'm never going to compromise on those but at least having a discussion figuring out where the other side is coming from it it, uh, leads to a a civil discussion that perhaps you can find some sort of meeting ground but simply screaming at each other and that's actually a final point i want to make this point Mm -hmm. because i think it's very important it think about it and any of your listeners that are thinking about this if someone comes at, at at you screaming and swinging at you, the very last thing you're thinking about is to try to figure out what's going on. The first thing you're thinking about is you're going into defensive mode. Yep. You no longer even hear what the issue is. You're now you're now in fight mode. Exactly. Right. You're not you're not even thinking about it logically. You're not trying to defuse the situation. In most cases, you've gone into fight mode, and that's what happens on the floor as well, or in any other. Uh, interaction Mm -hmm. in the public sphere somebody's Mm -hmm. out there screaming at you or 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 calling you all kinds of nasty and horrible things you don't want to compromise you just want to tell them off right and that's what you're going to do but that doesn't work is the point that doesn't actually result uh, in 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 something that is workable in the end Uh, you have to actually just sit back and go okay this isn't going to work let's have a one-on-one meeting perhaps Mm -hmm. Uh, and there's certain people that 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 are worth doing that with on both sides of the aisle. i completely
0: agree and so in closing i I, I commend you, Mr. Majority Majority Leader, for your leadership in that in that space. Because uh, I, get, I, I guess when I when I think of Ben Toma, I, I think of your presence in the, in that. Having watched you on the floor, I mean, you know, p- partisanship aside, party aside, just your presence. You know, there's just a, a calmness about you, a statesmanship about you. Um, you know, I can see the Holy Spirit's work in and through you. I'd say that if the if this uh, tape wasn't running. Uh, Today, so I appreciate that about you. Um, I, you know, the 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 role of Arizona Capital Project is to bring men and women of God, pastors, uh, to uh, the Capitol, to the public square, to to help. Uh, be a part of this decorum the civility building rebuilding process and so I uh, I just for those who are listening today I just want to recommit redouble our efforts to to see that this can happen I, to say to declare that this can happen uh, once again in our public square because the issues that that you all as elected officials as leaders deal with they matter um, to the flourishing of our state um, you know you're not just dealing with water and roads and uh you know the lottery and whatever issues i mean there are life and death matters that that the legislature deals with on a daily basis so that's why civility and decorum uh, matter on a daily basis you know if it goes 100 days or 171 days or what have you in 2022 so your work matters and we appreciate you we appreciate your voice so thanks for
1: your time with us today and for your leadership very much Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate your your prayers and support. You guys have been great. And I personally really do appreciate it, as does my family. And I know many of the other members do as well. So thank you for for all that you do to support us.
0: God bless. Thank you for listening to Engage Arizona, public policy for daily life. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe, rate and give a review on any podcast platform you use. For more information, visit azpolicy.org.